I love that song, Sing a Little Louder. Sing a little louder. You're re- Vicky, pull up the words of that song, please. Yeah, the chorus. Sing a little louder in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the storm, you're singing louder. In the middle, you're singing louder. Why? Because victory comes when we sing loud and we praise loud. Go back. I like the part where it says, sing a little louder in the presence of my enemies. A lot of times when we're in the presence of our enemies, we shrink back and we get quiet and we get solemn and we get somber and we basically, we get stupid. But in the presence of my enemies, I'll raise a hallelujah. 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 It goes back to Psalm 23. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You realize what that's saying? You're surrounded by your enemies and God's preparing meal for you. Sit down. Take a load off. Here. Have some barbecue. (laughs) Have a load off. Don't worry about them. Don't don't worry about them because there are more for you than there are against you. So sit down, take a load off, drink some tea, and raise a hallelujah. 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 That has absolutely nothing to do with the sermon. But somebody needs to hear this morning that you raise a hallelujah in the middle of your storm and in the presence of your enemies. You look them right in the face and say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is teaching some people how to do that. Let me tell you this. The longer it takes, the longer it's going to go. So the sooner you learn... the sooner you're going to come out. So learn quickly. Study to show yourself approved. Learn quickly. And then it's not going to be an issue. Something comes along. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I um, give you an inf- for instance. I'll get to this in a second. This week I was doing some work on a trailer, and on Friday I, I pulled the the propane cylinder out, and it's a ten gallon propane cylinder. And I pulled it out. And I took it to a place to get it um, to get it filled. I didn't know how much was in it. Turns out it was, you know, just under, it was a little under half full. 
But I took it to this place, and they, and they start looking it over and say, Sir, did you realize that your propane cylinder is expired? No, I did not know that. We can't fill it for you. Okay. And normally I would get all bent out of shape. I would be upset. My, I, would be, I would really be angry normally. But this time it was like, you know, God's got this. God blessed us with a gift, and it's, God's not going to give me something that's going to you know, suck the money right out of my checking account. So I had, this, I had this overwhelming feeling that I should have gone to another place in the first place, and I didn't. So I called them, and he says, well, sir, he says, I don't, I, I don't, we'll fill it. He goes, well, I just want you to understand that it's not that we're just trying to sell you propane, but we'll fill it. I get, I get that. He says, as long as it's not rusted out, he said, we'll fill it. So I took it to the place, got it filled. And you know, that was, the, that was one of the best experiences of, that I can think of where I didn't get all bent out of shape and I didn't let it ruin my day. Because it very well could have ruined my day. In times past, it would have ruined my day. Sing a little louder. When you can't get your propane tank filled, sing a little louder. Raise a hallelujah. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. This morning, we're going to continue our series on reckless. Have you enjoyed this? Tell me if you haven't. It doesn't make any, make any difference, because but I, I just want to know. You know, inquiring minds want to know. Today, we're, we've talked about, last week we talked about reckless generosity, and we've talked about reckless faith, and we've talked about invitation to recklessness, and, and this week we're going to talk about reckless service. How many of you would do that? <laughs> Not on a bet. Not even with stuff tying me to that cliff. There is no way. All it takes is one earthquake. <laughs> Just a little one. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. It's the big one, Elizabeth. I'm coming home. Reckless service. Let me give you a definition. Well, first, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you, Lord, that you've called us to a life of recklessness, responsibly reckless. Lord, giving up our comfort and giving up our desires and what we want, God, and just throwing caution to the wind and going about your business. Lord, call us. You're calling us to a higher ground. You're calling us to a higher and a deeper commitment. And Lord, I pray that we would make that commitment. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll give you a definition of what, what uh, service is. The action of helping or doing work for someone. Makes sense to me. 
act of doing something for someone. There's all kinds of service that we can be involved in. Public service. Some people have taken public service to the extreme. They've made public service their life's work. You know, I could go really off right here, but I think I'll keep it to a point. Public service. Public service is service. It's not lording it over people. It's not, I'm in control. No, service is service. You're doing it for someone or, and some other thing. You're not doing it. You're not doing it for money. You're not doing it because, oh, I want a job. No, you're doing it to serve. There's military service, and there are quite a few people in this room who have done military service. Military service isn't for everyone, but it's service nonetheless. What's the service? The service is protecting the country. Service is standing on a line and saying, you're not going to cross this line. You can come this far and no further. If you come any further, you have us to deal with. And we will bring all of our might to bear. Shock and awe. Remember that? First Gulf War, shock and awe. I remember watching that on TV going, man, that's a lot of ordnance they're laying down. If I had still been in, that would have been a lot of work. <laughs> oh, just a side note, I tried to get back in when that broke out, by the way. But they didn't want, they didn't want me. <laughs> okay, then fine. There's self-service. We have a lot of self-service these days. You go into Walmart or you go into these other places. You can go into Target. You can go into a lot of other places. And they have self-service checkout. That's the best service you'll get. (laughs) Only thing is you're not getting paid. (laughs) You're not paid to check people out. You're, you're coming there to give them your money, and then you're going in there, and you're doing their work for you and giving them money, too. It's like, this just not right. Service, self-service. There's customer service, and customer service these days is, well, you get what you pay for. And customer service is, can either be really good or it can be really bad. And nine times out of ten, it's really bad. Which makes that one stand out even more when you get good service, good customer service. And you know, we're called to be good customers, and we're also called to be good servants. And so we are called to be serve and serve well. I don't think you heard me. I said we're called to serve, and we're called to serve well. I don't want to serve like some of these services that I get in places where the server walks up to you and acts like you're doing them a, like they're doing you a favor. You know? Or if you go to, there's a certain restaurant that you can go to and, and they give you this, this, oh, this great smile. Ah, and they, 
they, you know, they give you this attitude, and it's like, come on, be real. All you're trying to do is sell me wine. <laughs> you want to sell me wine? You want to jack up my ticket so you can get a bigger tip? That's all you're doing it for. You don't care about what you're doing for me. All you care about is the money. You can tell those guys. And then there, there are actually others who are actually there to give you good service. But in this particular restaurant, I've never found one. I'll leave that to your discovery. We have a model of service. You know what a model is, right? Something that we look at and see the pattern of what service is from, how service is supposed to be carried out. And our model is Jesus. Our model is Jesus. I'm going to read John chapter 13. We're going to read 1 through 17. And I'm going to try to do it quickly. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. He loved them to the end. He didn't just stop at some point and say, I can't do this. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Duh. Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet, Jesus. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, you say, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. They didn't have closed-toed shoes back then. They didn't have, for the most part, pavement anywhere. Most of it was dusty, dirty roads. And if you've ever been to Israel, you know that there's dusty and dirty. It's beautiful, but it's dusty and dirty. And you can walk 
And you get all that stuff caked in between your toes. You know, because you're sweating. And it kind of turns to mud. And then it cakes, you know, and then if you wipe it, you make it worse. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Man camp, exactly. <laughs> and, we have open, and we have closed-toed shoes, and it's the same way at man camp. In that time, in that day, inside the door of every home was a basin with water and a towel. And the custom was that a servant, as you came into the home, the, the servant would wash your feet and clean your feet. How many of you like dirt in your house? Around here, it's hard to keep the dirt out of your house. Nobody wants dirt in their house, and nobody wants to purposely bring dirt into your house. But if you, that time of, in, in day, if you didn't wash your feet, you were purposely bringing sh- mud and dirt and, and whatever you'd stepped in into your house. You know, they had horses and donkeys and camels. And if you weren't careful, that was warm. Reminds me of the scene in Back to the Future where he jumps out of the way of the stagecoach right into the middle of a pile of horse manure. Possible. It's plausible. I don't want that in my house. I don't want the dirt into my house, so that's why people wash. You know, in Hawaii, they, the custom is you don't go into people's homes. You take your shoes off outside. There, it's because of the sand. Everywhere, sand. Everywhere, sand. Tell you what, don't sit down on the beach in Hawaii and expect to walk away sand-free. And definitely don't sit in the surf and get away sand-free. You will have sand in places you didn't even know. You could get sand until you shower. It's like, where did that come from? I even rinsed off at the beach. See, in Japan also, you take your shoes off. They don't want this stuff coming into their house. It's their custom. I remember a time when we had new carpet when we were in the Air Force and we lived in a house and we put new carpet in the, in, in the place and, and we all of a sudden made a rule, nobody wears shoes in the house. I'm sure you've probably done that once or twice in your lifetime. You've had a brand new carpet or something and you don't want the dirt and the, and the junk coming in, so you make a rule, everybody, and even your guests. I'm sorry, would you please take your shoes off? Oh, okay. You don't want it coming into the house. Jesus is telling his disciples, I don't want the dirt in the house. Don't bring that into my house. That stays outside. But I am willing to wash it off of you. As a servant, 
I've come, and they expect me to come as the Messiah, and I've come as the Messiah, and they expect me to come as a king, but I've come as a servant. I came to serve. I didn't come to be king. So he washes all their feet. Now, if they're like some people, some people's feet aren't that bad, and some people's feet are, oh, my Lord. Need a gas mask to wash some folks' feet. Oh, come on. I told you this story before about my cousin. I think his feet were rotten from the day he was born. He'd take his shoes off and clear the room. And his excuse was he got gas on his feet. (laughs) Sure you did. I can still smell it. (laughs) That's how bad it was. I can still smell it. Well, quite ironically, because of his diabetes, he lost both of his legs. So So maybe that was part of the problem. Didn't realize it at the time. My cousin lost both of his legs. He said he lost two feet. He was six foot something, and then he lost two feet. So then he was four foot something. That was his joke. <laughs> yeah, he lost two feet. You know? <laughs> it's not quite the same if I got to explain it to you. So what does it look like today to wash someone's feet? What does that look like? Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. They have homeless folks outside their, their building and their place all the time. He said he went outside one time because somebody needed some, somebody came out and came and said, Pastor, we need to, to, to you know, minister to this person. And he came out and he said the person smelled horrible. He said it made him gag. They smelled so bad. But he ministered to the person and he hugged the person. Because his repulsion because of the smell didn't matter because the person was made in the image of Almighty God. And they needed help. And so he put aside his, you know, he's praying, Holy Spirit, help me here. I need your help. And the Holy Spirit came alongside him and gave him the grace and gave him the, the ability to hug that person. And if I remember the story correctly, that person is now a thriving member of their church. Just like a lot of other folks. As we walk through this world, the dust and the dirt of the world will get on our feet. And it's our job as servants of the Most High God to help wash other people's feet. Nobody wants to wash feet.
But Jesus gave us an example and gave us a pattern that we wash people's feet and we wash the dirt off of their feet. And we do it without judging people. It's not our job to judge them. It's our job to help them and to help them clean themselves and get washed in the blood. It's our job to help them, not to condemn them. That's what reckless service is all about, is doing stuff even though you don't want to do it. And doing it even if it makes you feel, you know, it smells bad. It, st- it looks bad. It's ugly. It doesn't matter. It's our job to help people see the dirt that's on their feet. And I know nobody in here has dirty feet. You all took a shower this morning. But spiritually speaking, you might have some dust and dirt off your feet. That's one of the reasons the Israelites had to wander around in the desert for 40 years is because they had to get the dust and the, of the sin of Egypt off of them before they could go into the promised land. God's not going to take you into a promised land when the dust and the dirt is all over your feet, is all over you. You're going to have to get cleaned up, and you can't clean yourself up. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need the blood of Jesus to wash you clean. Am I my brother's keeper? Absolutely, you are your brother's keeper. Have I, not, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Absolutely not. I'm your friend for telling you the truth and looking out for you and not doing it in a condemning way. So you need to change. It's you see the effect. You see what's happening in a person's life. It's like, no, please don't go down that road. Please don't do that. You're helping. If you do it the other way, I guarantee you, you're going to be pushing that person further down the road that they're already on. I don't need your condemnation. I don't need your kind of love. And it breaks God's heart. Where will reckless service take you? See, because that's what we're talking about here. Reckless service. Doing it recklessly. Just, you know, with abandon. I don't care what the cost. I don't care what the smell. I'm going to do it because God has called me to do that. God has asked me to do that. Recklessly. It doesn't matter what you get out of it. We've got to get out of that mentality. It's not about what I get out of it. And I, we're all that way. We've grown up in a world where it's, it's like, what do I get out of it? What do I get out of it? And the, the Spirit of God is completely the opposite. It's not about what you get out of it. It's about what the person gets out of it. You're not doing it for you. You're doing it for them. You're doing it for God. Acts chapter 1, verses 7 to 8 says, And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The reckless service will take you everywhere. Reckless service will take you to places you never thought. It will take you to places you don't want to go. 
There's a song back in the, in the 70s by Scott Wesley Brown. It was called, Lord, Please Don't Send Me to Africa. It's, you know, it's a, it, nobody wants to go to Africa. My brother just came back from three weeks in Africa. I don't know how my brother does it, but please don't send me to Africa because it's miserable there. Or please don't send me to Peru. Lord, please don't send me to those places that are uncomfortable and dirty and I can't shower every day or I can't eat my favorite chips every day. Don't send me to those places because I want to be comfortable in your service. God just laughs. Really? He will take you to places you don't want to go. Why? Because it's not about you. He will ask you to do things you don't want to do. Why? Because he's building your character. But pastor, I don't want to lead boys on Wednesday night. Tough. Do it anyway. It'll make you a man. It'll give you some character. Do it anyway. It's not about you. It's about training kids. It's about teaching boys the need that they have for a Savior. It's about teaching them how to be a man. It's about teaching them the Word of God. It's not about you. I'm not getting a lot of amens this morning, but that's all right. The Spirit's taking us. Where? Where you live. I mean, to be a witness in Jerusalem. That's where you live. Service where you live. Service where you live. What does that look like? It looks like laundry. It looks like sweeping the floor. It looks like vacuuming. It looks like... I don't want to do that. My wife does that. <laughs> yeah, nothing more sexy than a man doing housework. <laughs> Guys, you don't believe me? Ask your wife. <laughs> it's why I do it. <laughs> But that's what service looks like at your house, mowing the lawn. My wife mows the lawn. I know it's my job, but she does it. She did it yesterday. She mowed and I weed whacked. I got the marks on my leg to prove it because I wasn't wearing long pants. I'm not going to show you right now. That's what it looks like. It looks like it looks like doing the dishes, putting the fill in the dishwasher. It looks like emptying the dishwasher. It looks like folding clothes. It looks like whatever, cleaning the toilets in your house. It looks like cleaning the shower in your house. It looks like that's your house. That's what reckless service is. Is you do it because it's a need and you do it without worrying about what you're going to get out of it. Cuz I'll tell you what you're going to get out of it. You're going to get a nice place to live. Some place that somebody might want to come to and visit you. There's also your neighborhood. Well, Pastor, I don't want to talk about my neighborhood. 
you don't know where I live. No, I don't know where you live, but it doesn't matter where you live. Because it's about taking the gospel to your neighborhood. It's about serving your neighborhood. It's about being the best neighbor that you can be in your neighborhood. Not blasting your music at 3 a.m. Not making all kinds of noise and making racket. And actually, it's also making sure that your yard looks just as good as everybody else's or even better than all the other yards in your house or in your neighborhood. You won't want to bring the property values down because how lousy you take care of your home. Being a good neighbor, that's what service is. We're talking about reckless service. Oh, but I don't want to do it. I don't care if you don't want to do it. You're called to do it. If we being Christians, and Christian meaning Christ-like, then everything we do ought to represent Christ. And if it doesn't, we need to reevaluate how we're doing it. Then there's a workplace or school. How many of you go to work and you can't wait until you can clock out? And that time, from the time you check, you clock in till the time you clock out, you give the bare minimum. See, that's not being reckless with your service. That's not doing it as unto the Lord. That's doing it as unto you. Same thing in school. You go to school and, you know, you do just enough to get by. I was guilty of that. Just enough to get by. You're not friendly to people. You're talking about other kids behind their backs. You're making fun of people. Oh, well, that's just what we do. It's what we're kids. We're teenagers. That's a cop-out. Cop-out means, well, I'm not responsible. That's just the way I am. That's just the way teenagers are. You know what? Set the example. You be the thermostat and stop being a thermometer. Be a thermostat in your service. You set the tempo. You set the bar. Okay, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it because God has asked me to do it, and I want to please God with all of my heart and with all of my soul. I'm going to do everything that I can to the best of my ability, and I'm not going to leave anything on the table. I'm going to leave it all out there. Your community Be the best person in your community you can be. Time is really getting away from me here. Serving our community, not always taking from your community. We have such a, a, such a, a, a culture of taking. Let somebody else give it. I'm too busy. I just bought a new boat and I got to go see how it runs out on the lake. Or I just bought a brand new pair of skis. So I'm going to go up and check out the powder. And there's something being done. There's a work day here at church. (gasps) 
and your world. You serve the world. We do a good job of that here. I am so proud of this church and so proud of the fact that the way we give to missions. Let me say this too. It's not just about giving money to missions. It's when there's an opportunity to go on a short-term mission trip, you go on a short-term mission trip. Because one thing, it's easy to give money, but it's another thing to go. Love to go on a short-term mission trip. I've been invited. It's just whether or not my wife wants to go. See, I was, that's what I'm talking about. You got to go even when you don't want to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pay for that. <laughs> but we minister to the world in whatever way God has called us to minister to the world. And we do it to the best of our abilities, recklessly, looking for ways. In all of these areas, we look for ways to serve. That's what being reckless with service is all about. And I can, can I say this too? In this church, looking for ways to serve. Looking for ways. I have yet to have somebody come up to me and say, Pastor, what can I do? We're quick to give our money, but we're really short on giving ourselves. I'm not saying that to, yes, I am. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm saying it. <laughs> to shame us into, into putting our lives out there and volunteering for things. When I went to the military, I knew a guy. Uh, one of my friends, his brother just gotten out of the Air Force, and I talked to him about it. He goes, well, one thing I want to tell you, he said, don't volunteer for anything. That was, his, that was his advice. Well, I'm telling you now, that's not the advice that you should have when you're, about, when you're in a church, is not volunteering for anything. You find something to do, and to do it with all your might. You find something... And you pray about it. And you do it. And don't pray, God, you don't want me to do that, do you? Because <laughs> I guarantee you there's people who pray that. Lord, please don't have, uh, you don't want me to do that. No, I know you don't want me to do that. I'm no good at that. Well, you know what? You might have a tendency or an aptitude for it, and you don't even know you're good at it yet. Oh, but I don't want to do it. I've already covered that. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It's not about you. You need to find an area. You need to find an area. You pray about the area where God and say, God, open up the door. Show me. Give me guidance. Give me direction by your Holy Spirit. Show me where I can serve in this church. I would like this church to be the exception to the rule. What's the rule, you might ask? Well, I'll tell you what the rule is. It's the 80-20 rule. 
80% of the people do 20% of the work. And 20% of the people do 80% of the work in the church. I'm not making this up. I want us to be the exception where we have waiting lists of people to do jobs because everybody wants to be involved and we don't have enough room to put them in that job. So there's a waiting list. There's a list. Okay, I'm next. If somebody drops out, I get to do that. A waiting list of, some, of people waiting to come and clean the church. I didn't think I was going to get a single amen of it. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to serve. And when you serve, you don't start off behind the pulpit. You start off outside, pulling the weeds. You start in the bathrooms, cleaning the toilets. You start vacuuming. I want to thank those people who come and help clean this place one less job I have to do. I'm willing to do it. If I have to do it, I'll do it. Been there, done that. And not above doing it again. It's about service, reckless service. Do you know what kind of rewards you'll get from hef- in heaven? When you put aside your pride, and your ego, and you say, God, this is about you. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, God? Not what do I want to do. God, I'll do this. It's a red flag for me if somebody comes in the church and says, Pastor, I want to do this and I want to do that. And it's all stuff up front. All stuff visible. It's like, okay. I know where your heart's at. But it's those people who come in and they sit quietly. And then they'll come up later and say, Pastor, is there something that I can do for you? I have to retract that statement that I made earlier. Nobody's come up and asked me what they can do. I have had a couple of people come in and say, Pastor. I've had people come in and say, Pastor, I can't really do a whole lot, but I can do this. Awesome, do that. I'm going to give you two warnings about service. One of them is a need does not necessitate a call. Just because there's a need doesn't mean you're called to that position. Doesn't mean you're called to do that job. That's why you have to pray about it. And there are some people who don't need to be challenged to serve more. They, they serve, you know, some of those 20 percenters. Next thing, next thing, pretty soon, they've got two plates instead of one. And both are full. I was told this by a pastor that we were under years ago. And he said, find one or two things that you can do really well and do them well. Rather than find six or seven things and do them eh. There's more than enough work to spread out 
over many people than to have just a few people doing things and not doing them well. It suffers when you have one person doing 10 things because they don't have the time to devote to those one or two things. They've, got to, to, they've only got so much time. And some things require more time than others. So be that person that doesn't say yes to everything. Let me tell you this, too. It's easier to say no initially and then come back and say yes because then you can be the hero. (laughs) Rather than to say yes and then turn around and say, well, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that. Really, why didn't you think of that in the first place? But don't be one of those persons who only says no. Pray about where God wants you to serve and then get in and serve with all of your might. Be the best Royal Ranger commander that you can be. Be the best friends club uh, leader that you can be. Be the best vacuumer that you can be. Be the best gardener that you can be. Be the best at whatever it is that God gives you to do. Be the best at it. And if you're not very good at it, then you practice. You practice and get better. And being good at isn't being some isn't someone that is here sometimes and not here sometimes. If you're good at something, you're faithful to be here all the time. Not when it just suits you. Because quite honestly, if you're going to be one of those people who's going to be here and then not, and then here and not, then, you know, we really don't want you to do that. We'll have to find somebody else. But I want somebody who's going to be committed, not just to the job, but to the, what God has called you to do. Because in actuality, you're not being inconsistent with me or for this church. You're being inconsistent with God. That's tough, I know. Responsibly reckless. Pray about it. Pray about it. Get on your knees and say, God, where do you want me in this church? Where am I supposed to be? What is my position? What is my job? Let me tell you this. There is no job of just coming and sitting in a pew. That's not a job. That's laziness. And that's expecting other people to fulfill the jobs and other people, other people to, to carry the load while you sit and you just... You know what I mean by this, right? You sit there and you just take in and take in and take in and you become fat spiritually. Fat, dumb, and happy spiritually. And there are no fat, dumb, and happy people they're going to do anything good for God. Did I cross the line? <laughs> I hope not. God gives us all gifts and talents. 
Use those gifts and talents. Serve. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Colossians 3, 15 to 17. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace with your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What you do is a reflection on Christ. When you name the name of Christ, it's a reflection. I had another scripture, but I'm going to read you this. There's a clever young guy named somebody else. There's nothing this guy can't do. He's busy from morning till way late at night just substituting for you. You're asked to do this or you're asked to do that, and what is your ready reply? Get somebody else to do that job. He'll do it much better than I. So much to do in this weary old world, so much and workers so few, and somebody else, all weary and worn, is still substituting for you. The next time you're asked to do something worthwhile, just give this ready reply. If somebody else can give time and support, my goodness, so can I. So can I. If somebody else can, so can I. You can do it. You can do it. Don't let the enemy tell you you can't do it. God's given you abilities. You can do it. We need to ask God to identify areas of and service of responsibility, areas of opportunity and service. Part of the responsibly reckless is praying and asking God, where do you want me? And make opportunities for me to serve you in a better capacity. You know, another thing we need to do is we need to confess the times that we felt a clear prompting and heard a divine whisper, but we've walked past the opportunity. And we've got to confess where we've overserved and allow needs to dictate your service rather than actually praying and following God's leading. You can be so busy about God's work and not really accomplishing anything. And so busy about God's work and you're moving further and further away from God. Because it's not what God's called you to do. And one last thing we need to do is we've got to commit to washing each other's feet. And whatever that looks like. Calling out sin when we see it calling out somebody who's just stretched so thin that they're not doing anybody any good and coming alongside them and saying, hey, let me help you do that. Let me be your help. Because it's not about you. It's about them. Let's all stand. Reckless service. Reckless service. There's a distinction. Reckless and careless. We're not about careless. 
Because careless means we don't make, take any regard for anything. But reckless means that we leave our feelings aside and we do what God's called us to do. How many of you want to be that person that God can use and that, you, that you're available? One of my prayers every day is that God make me a vessel of honor. Make me a vessel of honor so that I can serve in the areas that, that you've called me to serve in. And to be available. Not so busy doing other things that I'm not available to do what God's called me to do. Father, I praise you and thank you. And I ask, Lord, that you would give us eyes of the Spirit to see opportunities for service. Lord, maybe there's an opportunity or something that you're calling us to that, that... that isn't even a part of our church yet. But God, you're speaking to us about those things. Lord, help us to be vessels of honor. Be vessels of honor. Lord, help us to abandon our desires and commit fully to the things you're calling us to do to serve you where you've called us to serve. Ideas and creativity, may they be ours to serve you. May we serve our cities. May we serve our homes. May we serve our neighborhoods. May we serve our employers. Lord, may we serve this world with an unbridled service attitude. God, that we go where you go, that we say what you say, and we do what you do. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for it. Lord, may that spirit of service overtake us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you this week to find some place to serve. Find some place to serve. You pray about it. Pray about it seriously. And mean it from your heart. Lord, where can I work and how can I serve? Because until everybody is serving, there's things in this church that aren't going to be able to be done. And if there are things that aren't being able to be done, then that means that the people that God is sending our way, he's delaying them until we get ready. We have to have the framework to support the weight of the people. And until we have that framework, those people are not going to come. And we're praying for 150 people this year. This is August. September, October, November. We got four months. Four months. God can do it in a week. But we have to partner with God and do our part to make this thing happen. Let me tell you this, too. When you're fulfilling the call that God has on your life and you're doing the thing that God has called you to do and asked you to do, you will never be more fulfilled in your entire life than when you step into that place. Never. You'll be asking yourself, why didn't I do this sooner? 
Let's all do that this week. Amen? Amen. Brother Jim, would you close in prayer, please?